Hey, welcome back to the Addicted to Healthy podcast, your one-stop destination for all things health and a kick-ass life. I'm Laurence, certified nutritional practitioner and health coach and the host of the Addicted to Healthy podcast. Alison Macbeth is a fertility awareness and sexual health educator. She's been a sexual health educator for almost 20 years and recently became involved in the field of fertility awareness. So she graduated from the Justice College as a holistic reproductive health practitioner in 2015. And now her main role is to teach women how to chart their menstrual cycles and what a healthy cycle looks like and use this information for natural birth control, pregnancy planning, or to address hormonal health challenges like PCOS. Welcome to the podcast, Allison. Mm -hmm. I am so excited for this episode because this is a topic that I have a lot of interest in and uh, we've worked together before. So I'm really excited to bring all this information out to the public. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited too. So our discussion today is going to be all around fertility awareness, but before we dive in, I would love for you to talk a little bit about your story and how you became a coach. Sure. Um, So I'm officially a holistic reproductive health practitioner. I graduated from the Justice College, but I call myself a fertility awareness educator because that makes a lot more sense for people. Um, And I've been teaching sex education and sexual health like my entire career, almost 20 years now, um, and recently discovered fertility awareness. And I just fell in love with it. I thought it was the most amazing and empowering thing. And I couldn't believe I hadn't learned this when I was younger, which is the response that a lot of people give. (laughs) Um, So I decided I just I had to become certified and learn how to do it and, and teach this information to other people. Amazing. And so did this kind of stem from your own health issues or did you just kind of stumble upon it? I never had any major health issues. I know for a lot of coaches that is how they sort of first get into the field. Um, For me, I always loved sex education and like relationships and coaching and helping people. And I started working at our local Planned Parenthood on the telephone helpline. And most often I was talking to people about birth control. Um, And I'd been on and off the pill my whole adult life. And I was never totally comfortable with it, but I really didn't think there was any other alternative. Um, And so when I found this, I just thought it was so empowering and so exciting. And I just had to get that knowledge out for other people. So they know that there are options they don't have to take hormonal birth control if they don't want to which is not what we hear in our society (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly and I think the word is getting out but it definitely is taking a little bit of time like most people just think there's like one method of birth control or that we can get pregnant any day of the month right and it's total (laughs) bullshit so (laughs) so let's start off by first talking about (laughs) What is the fertility awareness method? Because some people may not know exactly what that means. Yeah. So I know on your podcast, you've mentioned probably lots of times around charting and temperatures and mucus, but to be more specific, um, so fertility awareness is basically a type of body literacy. So it's a way to read your body and understand the signs of fertility so you can figure out when you're ovulating and when you're fertile and infertile in each cycle. And then from that information, you can either use it as a natural method of birth control, like we've been mentioning, 
um, or for pregnancy planning. And then also um, to help just looking at your daily charts and your hormones and your cycles, you can improve other hormonal health issues that you might be dealing with as well. And so how would this work in terms of either somebody is looking to conceive or avoid pregnancy? Like, because I think a lot of people are still under the impression that, you know, you can get pregnant any day of the cycle and that you need to be careful every, you know, every single day. Um, are you able to kind of bust this myth for us and then also talk about like how we yeah. use fertility awareness? Because I also think there is a lot of um, misunderstanding around like the rhythm method and people thinking, oh, it's not, it's not valid. It doesn't mm-hmm. work. Whereas the fertility awareness method is very different from the rhythm method, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So basically your body makes observable signs that you're fertile as you approach ovulation every cycle. And so these are the cervical mucus. Um, Then there's the change in your body temperature after you ovulate. And also your cervix changes position and, and shape and angle around ovulation as well. So if you learn to understand these things and you track them and write them down at the end of the day, every day, then you'll have charts and you can look at those charts and you can interpret exactly when you're fertile and infertile. Um, You definitely cannot get pregnant every day of your cycle. Um, Technically, you could get pregnant any day if you're not tracking your cycle because you won't know when you're ovulating. But if you are keeping track of this stuff, then you can pinpoint exactly when you can get pregnant and when you can't in each menstrual cycle which is pretty amazing. Um, And then there's certain calculations that you do um, to figure out exactly when you can get pregnant or not. It's not just specific days that you see, for example, the mucus. Um, The mucus is produced by estrogen around ovulation. And so the mucus actually keeps sperm alive for up to five days. Um, So there's a little calculation involved in that. But once you know that, you can figure out when it's safe if you don't want to get pregnant or when you should have sex if you do it's really the same exact information you just change when you're having unprotected sex right um so it's really versatile in that way (laughs) you learn it once and it's a skill for life and you can apply it to pretty much any situation yeah so Um, and you also mentioned yeah so the rhythm rhythm method Yeah. yeah so the rhythm method is basically making assumptions about your future cycles based on the specific day you are within your cycle. So it's kind of assuming you're going to ovulate around day 14. And there's another little calculation you can do in there to figure out, you know, when you're supposed to be fertile or not. Um, But the the thing is, is that every cycle is different. And every time you ovulate each cycle, it's going to be a little bit different. So just looking at like the day on the calendar is really not going to give you the information you need. Um, And that's how people get pregnant when they don't want to be because they assume that they ovulate at a certain time, but that may not be true. And so if you're actually tracking these signs of fertility every day, then you you actually know you're not making a guess. Like it's actually definite what's going on because you can see what's happening in your body. Yeah, and I think that is definitely a misconception that comes up a lot, and there's a lot of confusion between the two. Um, and so mm-hmm. for uh, avoiding pregnancy, obviously, it's very obvious, like, that's, you know, if you slip up, then there's a risk. But what about yeah. if you're trying to achieve pregnancy? Because I think a lot of people think, like, oh, they're just going to try and conceive around, like, um, 
day 14 and yeah. like have you know more intercourse or whatever but again since it's it might not be day 14 ovulation have you seen this come up a lot in terms of couples trying to have a baby and not really understanding when to time intercourse and things like that yeah so i've i've heard lots of stories of people who have not been getting pregnant and they think they're infertile, but it's really just that they're having sex at the wrong time because they're not aware of when the woman's ovulating. So obviously that's the most important thing if you're trying to get pregnant is to know when you're ovulating. Um, so the phase between ovulation and your next period starting is on average about 14 days, but it's quite often anywhere between 10 and 16 days. Um, so you can see in that case, if a woman stops having sex around day 14, but she's actually not ovulating until like say day 18, then there's no way she's gonna get pregnant, right? Cause she'll have missed that window of opportunity. Um, so if you are struggling with getting pregnant, that's one thing I definitely recommend is to actually figure out when you're really truly ovulating and not just relying on the calendar. <laughs> Cause that, that could be as simple as that. And what about validity? Because I think there are a lot of people who are very skeptical about this method and that it's just kind of another woo-woo thing that, you know, <laughs> it's not valid and there's no science behind it. What can you say about that? Are there studies behind this? Is it valid? Is it accurate? It's definitely got a lot of science behind it, for sure. Um, and more and more all the time because it's becoming more and more popular. So more research is happening, which is really great. Um, <clears throat> there's a few studies on specific methods of fertility awareness, looking at how effective they are. And then there's also studies on the individual aspects of fertility awareness. So example, looking at how mucus relates to ovulation or how the temperature relates to ovulation. Um, a really good place if people want to read more about it is to go to a website called factsaboutfertility.org. And that's a group called they call themselves FACTS, which is Fertility Appreciation Collaborative to Teach the Sciences, which is a bit of a mouthful. Wow, but yeah. basically, it's a group of medical doctors who are really supportive of fertility awareness, and they're trying to like get the word out and, and teach people. And they've compiled a list of all the research um, that's been done. So that's really exciting. Um, and then also, you can look at one of their articles um, compares different methods because there's different, obviously different methods and different ways to do it. And there's no specific perfect method for, for people. I think it's really up to the individual to see what works best for them because there are different ways to do it and what works for one person might not work for another, but you can definitely look at, you know, how they work and how effective they are. Um, it's also important to be aware of the difference between perfect use and typical use, because often the way it's done perfectly in the research is not the way it's done typically day to day. Um, and what's often quoted is that the method only works 75% or it fails 25% of the time. Um, but that's completely bogus. <laughs> that research is actually combining whole bunch of different types of methods into one and taking like the lowest number. But if you look at the individual methods, you can see it's actually over 99% effective in a lot of cases, it's around 98, 99% effective. So it really does work to prevent pregnancy. 
Um, and that's as good as hormonal methods, but without all the extra side effects. Um, so if you're looking to, you know, live a more natural life where you just, your body doesn't cope well with the hormones, for example, then this is a really great option. And is this for like certain people? Are there certain people who you would not recommend this method for? Yeah, I mean, it has, you have to be quite self-motivated for it to work properly because it's up to you to make these daily observations. And then at the end of the day, you write down on your, your charts what you saw that day. So you do have to be self-motivated in that way because if you're not paying attention, then obviously you might miss a sign of fertility and you might end up getting pregnant. Um, but other than that, I mean, I think it's up to the individual to to really decide what works best for them. Um, and this is one of my, I guess, pet peeves with physicians who don't always mention this information. Part of it is their misunderstanding how it works and there's a lot of myths, like you said, about it. But another is that they assume that people won't do it properly or won't do it well. But I think it's, it really should be information that's out there as one of the options and then people can choose if they think it's something that will work for them. Um, and as well, like you can try it out, decide what you think, and then, you know, either keep going or stop, right? Because you can always, and I definitely recommend this, <laughs> use backup methods of birth control. For example, condoms is a really good one while you're still learning and while you're figuring it out. Um, and then you can see how it goes, see if you like it. And if it's something you want to keep doing, then you can. But if not, you can switch to something else. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's something that it can't be like a negative thing. For instance, you learn so much about your body, whether you are having, you know, hormonal imbalances or not. So you, make, you can become more in tune with your body. So there's really only perks. And then for sure, if it doesn't work for you, if you just, you know, always forget to check cervical mucus or always forget temperature, then that would be something to look into. But yeah, I think it's something that, especially if you are dealing with hormonal imbalances, I talk a lot about PCOS, obviously it's just something that mm -hmm. has really opened my eyes even more. I used to do tracking um, before, but then I started to use the Justice method with you and it was just a huge game changer. Like my cycles have been so much different and I'm actually understanding it so much more. So that would definitely That's be awesome. another perk to the, to the method too. So yeah. talking about just these, can you touch a little bit exactly what that means? So we're talking about mucus and temperature, cervical position, and you did mention that there are different methods, but what does mm -hmm. just these really concentrate on and why does, why is it different from like other methods? Okay. Um, so just so people have an idea, there's different overall kinds of methods. So there's calendar methods. Um, and I know I said rhythm method is a bad idea and it is. <laughs> actually excuse, <coughs> excuse me um, there's actually one method calendar method that actually has research done around it so it does have some effectiveness so some people do choose to use that if they have quite regular cycles um, there's also mucus only methods where the only thing you keep track of is the mucus and then there's symptohormonal so that's symptom means like symptoms um, so symptom hormonal methods look at mucus and combine it with uh, luteinizing hormone testing each cycle. And then there's symptothermal methods, um, which is what the one I teach is, where you look at the symptoms of mucus and your temperature. And then finally, there's temperature-only methods. So they all have different pros and cons, um, a different way you calculate fertility, infertility, and different things you keep track of. 
So like I said, it's you know up to the person to figure out what which one works best for them. Um, the one I teach, the Justice method, can be mucus only or mucus and temperature. So it was originally started based off a mucus only method and then the creator of it added in temperature because a lot of people really like using temperature. It's a great confirmation after ovulation has happened. Um, and temperature can also tell you a lot about your thyroid health as well, which a lot of people are interested in. Um, so some of the differences with that one is just yeast is quite standardized. So in some methods, you would be instructed to write down descriptions of what the mucus look like, um, and you can make your own little, I guess, dictionary <laughs> of, you know, what things are like and what things look like for you. But just yeast is quite standardized in that we look very specifically at mucus, what is the color, how much does it stretch, and what is the sensation you're feeling when you, when you wipe. Um, and then looking at those three things, we determine peak versus non-peak mucus. So basically with these methods, all mucus should be considered fertile. So anytime you see any mucus, you could potentially get pregnant. Um, but the reason we differentiate between those two different types is because that helps us to identify ovulation and helps us to do those calculations um, to figure out when you're fertile or not fertile. Um, and another good thing about just yeast, um, the, the organization and the founder is very secular and feminist. So we will teach anyone for in any relationship status or any religion or anything like that. But some of the other groups are a little more um, religious based. Um, so depending what you want, that might be great for you. Um, but that is one slight different about, about our group. Um, and then there's no calendar calculations involved whatsoever. So some of the more common symptothermal methods do have some calendar calculations involved um, at the beginning of the cycle for when you first become fertile after your period, um, but just yeast doesn't have that. So it's solely based on mucus observation. The mucus is definitely the key to this. Um, but like I said, it can be used with mucus and temperature or just mucus only, depending what suits your lifestyle and your, your situation. Um, does that clarify? <laughs> yeah, 100%. And I think that mucus is probably the most complicated to understand, right? Like for me, for sure, there have been moments where I thought I understood it, but then I was like, okay, this is actually a little bit more complex than I thought. But I think a lot of women also get um, like we are not really taught about mucus and if we start seeing it in our underwear we get like concerned or we go to the doctor we think we have an infection or something um, mm -hmm. but this is obviously really important fertile sign but there can also be different types of mucus right so like it might be fertile mucus as we we're talking about but it might be also cell soft or things like that are you able to touch a little mm -hmm. bit on like the different types of mucus and what they could mean yeah um so self-loss that you mentioned, I'll just clarify what that is. So this isn't a very pretty description, but I kind of <laughs> think of it like dandruff for your vagina. Nice. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. it's like, like, yeah, like there's, there's always skin all over our body just like kind of shaking off, right? Um, so sometimes you will have like a wet, and it's often wet down there, you know, it's a moist part of the body. Um, so sometimes there will be like sort of pasty discharge that people will see. 
but this is not considered cervical mucus, so it actually has nothing to do with fertility. So that's one thing that people often struggle with figuring out in the beginning. Um, is this actually fertile mucus or is this regular, like just moisture discharge type of thing? Um, so that's one thing for sure. Um, also after ovulation, some people do continue to have some mucus happening. Um, so that can also be a little confusing when they're trying to figure out, did I really ovulate or not? <laughs> um, and then, like I said, we, we differentiate between peak and non-peak mucus because that helps us figure out the calculation of when ovulation happened. Um, and this is quite different from, for example, the book, Taking Charge of Your Fertility, which I highly recommend people read if they're interested. Um, that's the most popular book out there on fertility awareness. It has very different categorizations of mucus. So it talks about um, egg white or sticky or creamy, things like that. Um, but honestly, it doesn't really matter if it's egg white or sticky or creamy. What really matters if you can figure out if it's peak or non-peak, because you can use those to figure out when you're ovulating or not. And the other uh, definitions of like sticky and creamy, for example, are a little bit confusing sometimes because they are very similar. And sometimes you're not sure which which mucus day was the day of ovulation because it's another misconception is it that it's the day with the most mucus but it's not necessarily you might have such a teeny weeny tiny little amount you can barely even see it but if it's there and if it's got the right qualities then that could be the day of ovulation potentially so that's why it's really important to figure out the different kinds of mucus and Often it can be helpful to have someone look at your charts with you and just make sure you understand that um, before you do it on your own and start having unprotected sex, just in case. Yeah, I highly recommend having a coach, especially if you are serious about avoiding pregnancy because, yeah, that's obviously a big deal. And mucus can be a bit confusing at the beginning, but then you start to get used to it. And then the more you do it as well, the more your cycles start to make sense, the more you get you know, accustomed to checking every time you go to the bathroom. So definitely recommend mm -hmm. that book too. But then as you mentioned, it's really important to kind of stick with one method instead of combining all of them because then you can just become really confused. So definitely Absolutely. pay attention to that. <laughs> um, Absolutely. There's so many methods. And if you try and mix and match, then that's where you get in trouble because they all do have slightly different ways to define mucus and slightly different ways to calculate the fertile phase of the cycle. So find one you like and, and stick with it for maybe six months. And then if you want to change, that's fine, but definitely don't mix and match that idea. Yeah. Be consistent for sure. Mm -hmm. Just a quick interruption of the episode to mention that I do have spots open for my PCOS Breakthrough Coaching Academy for October. So this is my signature program that combines self-paced learning with one-on-one -on -one coaching so that you can really understand the fundamentals to PCOS. So what the frick is going on, what you really need to focus on, um, and then also get all of your questions and get a personalized individual approach to your PCOS so that you can take those action steps that are specific to you and really work on the core foundations that are going to make a difference. So if you feel like you're, you know, confused about PCOS, you're not sure what to do next, like if you need to go on another diet or if you need to take a certain pill or if you need to do a certain workout and you just feel really lost about what to do next to be able to reverse your symptoms, to be able to, you know, improve your fertility, to 
menstrual regularity, to reduce acne, to reduce androgens, to improve your digestion, your energy. This program is for you. It's my most complete program. As I mentioned, it really does include all of the support and the guidance and the learning that you really need to understand to be able to manage your PCOS for the long term. And this is going to trickle into the rest of your life because it's information that you learn once and that you apply and you can apply for the rest of your life. So super, super valuable. If you're interested at all, I will put the link in the show notes to apply because it goes by application as I do have limited spots. Otherwise, if you do have any questions at all, feel free to contact me at my email, which is also in the show notes. And so with PCOS, of course, I want to bring this up <laughs> because I specialize in PCOS. Yeah. Um, but with fertility awareness method for a long time, I was kind of convinced that, no, I can't use this. Um, like irregular cycles or PCOS is just not made for fertility awareness method. Like a lot of people kind of warned against that and it can be a bit more difficult for sure. Uh, what is your opinion about using fertility awareness method with PCOS and irregular cycles? I think everyone should do it, especially if you have irregular cycles and hormonal imbalances, because one of the amazing things about looking at the charts is that you can actually see a lot of information on your charts. It's kind of like a monthly report card or two months or three months, however long your cycles end up being, right? Um, especially if they're irregular. But by looking at those charts, you can see a lot about what's going on with your hormones. So it can be really helpful to, to understand what's going on internally in your body. And then also if you are taking steps to make changes to improve your health, you can actually see those improvements on your charts as well. So that can be really helpful for people. Um, and then the idea about, you know, you need a regular period to have, or to use fertility awareness is definitely a myth. Um, the beautiful thing about this method is that once you understand the signs of fertility in your body, you can apply it to any type of cycle that you're having. So, you know, let's say you have really long cycles and they're like three months long. So you're probably not ovulating until, you know, say day 75, for example, you know, like if you're not charting, then potentially you could be ovulating any day and you wouldn't know. So you would have to take a lot more precautions around preventing pregnancy. But if you're you know, making charts and tracking everything, you'll know exactly what's going on. Um, and I think that's really amazing. Whether you're avoiding pregnancy or trying to get pregnant too, you, know, you would need to identify when ovulation is happening. Um, and different methods have different lengths of time where you need to either abstain or use a backup method of birth control if, if you're trying to prevent pregnancy. So you'd have to look into that. For example, like the temperature only methods, temperature doesn't tell you anything before you ovulate, it only confirms after you ovulate. So if you were gonna use one of those, you would basically have to use another method of birth control all the way until you know three or four days after ovulation. But if you're using a method that includes the mucus, then you can do these calculations and figure out exactly when you can have unprotected sex or not. And there will be probably several days within the cycle where you can have unprotected sex and not get pregnant because you know, you know, when's fertile and when's infertile, which is really amazing, I think. You know, like a lot of people are put on the pill to regulate their cycles. I say that with air quotes. <laughs> um, and 
with, as you've probably mentioned this in your podcast before, but you know, you're not actually regulating your cycle. This, it gives you a fake cycle and whatever problems are going on are still underlying that. They're just covered up like a band-aid, basically. You can't see it, but it's still there. So that's why I think it's so amazing to, to do the charting is because you can see exactly what's going on, see when you're ovulating, you'll know when your period's gonna come once you ovulate. And you can use that with your healthcare providers as well. You can show them your charts and you can work together to improve your cycles and your hormones. And so what are some common signs that you see come up with um, PCOS through charting? Like if there's any like red flags or like common, you know, mm-hmm. things that come up that you can tell through the charting and through just this method that I can actually help improve PCOS and symptoms and things like that mm-hmm. so obviously the most common thing is long long cycles without ovulation and without getting periods that's really common but also one thing that's really common is pat- lots of patches of mucus or like continuous mucus for a few weeks in a row is another example so in like a standard healthy cycle like the one you'd see in a textbook kind of science book it would show maybe a week of mucus at the most right in the middle around ovulation but if someone has PCOS they're probably going to get multiple patches of mucus throughout the cycle or also mucus for many many days in a row is another thing so those are really common um, and then so what because does, sorry, what does that mean if somebody is consistently making mucus does that mean there are specific hormonal like imbalances going on or what would that indicate yeah So that would be, so basically what happens is as the follicles in your ovaries develop and the eggs develop, they create mucus. As they get bigger and closer to ovulation, they make more mucus. So that's why mucus is a sign that ovulation is approaching. But if you have PCOS, then your body struggles with ovulation. So what happens is that your body may like attempt to ovulate several times, but may be unsuccessful. So you will have elevated levels of estrogen in general. People with PCOS usually have higher levels of estrogen um, because they're, you know, their follicles are developing. It's trying to ovulate, but it's just not happening for long periods of time. Um, and then after you ovulate, uh, progesterone is the main hormone that's produced. And so because there's so much time pre-ovulation and very little time post-ovulation, for people with PCOS, they do end up with an imbalance of higher estrogen and lower progesterone than what is considered healthy. Um, so that can lead to all kinds of other things. <laughs> um, and then also the phase after ovulation before the next period can be short, because uh, that's another sign of an imbalance between the progesterone and the estrogen. Right, so that could confirm low progesterone, higher estrogen, which is very common, but uh, definitely, you know, a sign specifically if you're trying to conceive luteal phase, we need to have longer, right, for implantation, etc. But if you're not making enough progesterone, then that's definitely a red flag. And I know a lot of women who, you know, go right away to fertility treatments, et cetera. But for instance, if they aren't aware that they don't ovulate on day 14 or that their luteal phase is shorter or that they're not making enough progesterone, then that's probably the first place to start, right? Yeah, for sure. And there's like, as you know, with your work, there's lots of things you can do to improve that hormone balance on your own without needing the fertility treatments. Um, So if someone has 
PCOS and wants to get pregnant, I highly recommend they start working this stuff out as early as possible. And the other thing I'd say is even if you never want to have babies or even if you don't want babies for 10 years, it's still a really good idea to, to figure this out and get to the root of the problem because PCOS has other effects down the line. It's related to cardiovascular illness and diabetes and things like that. Um, so it's definitely important to figure out what's going on and, and try and address things if you can. And so I think a lot of women get really kind of into the details of how to do the fertility awareness method. Like they need like the latest gadget and like, cause there's all of these new <laughs> devices out there and like charts and, you know, yeah. thermometers and all these fancy things. So what's your opinion on that? Do we need to have this like super fancy $400 device or can we just go <laughs> old school? Does it work just as well? <laughs> I usually recommend going old school above and beyond anything else. Um, you can get a basal body thermometer. So it can't be a fever thermometer. It has to be basal body. It's just a bit more sensitive in its readings. But you can get those at the pharmacy for like 20 bucks, sometimes less. <laughs> um, and that's all you need. Like you take your temperature first thing in the morning every day. You write it down and you check your mucus when you go to the bathroom throughout the day like you're already wiping so you just start looking at the toilet paper <laughs> you know like it's not a big fancy thing um, some of these big fancy thermometers are connected to organizations that have uh, temperature only methods um, but I would always always recommend that you understand how to do those calculations yourself and not just rely on some device to tell you when you're fertile or not fertile, because no one's gonna understand your body better than you. You know, like a, a little machine is not gonna know what's going on with your hormones. But if you really understand how it works, you can so easily make that determination, you know. And then you're in charge, you know, you're in control. You have that, and it's quite empowering, I think. And a lot of people tell me that they wish they'd learned this earlier when they were younger. Um, but you really need like just even a, a diary, just a piece of paper, you know, all you need is to write it down at the end of the day and take your temperature in the morning. That's really all it is. It doesn't have to be fancy. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to make it complicated because I think that can also just be an excuse to not pursue it. So we definitely don't have to spend all of our money on it. Um, yeah, I yeah. definitely agree with that. Um, another thing is with temperature. So first thing in the morning, you know, have it beside your bedside table. There are different ways too, right? So you can take it usually orally under the armpit or vaginally as well. Is there a specific way that you recommend or are they all valid? So they're all, they're all totally valid. The main thing is consistency. So to do it the same way every day. Because basically what you're doing is your body has a 24-hour circadian rhythm of temperature. So in a regular pattern every day, your temperature will rise and fall. So what you want to do is compare one day to the next. So you have to catch your body in that same sort of moment every day. So as long as you're consistent and try and take it at approximately the same time every day, um, that's really all that all that needs to happen. Um, if you do change, like there's different reasons you might want to take it in a different way. For example, if you're assessing thyroid health, then under the armpit can actually be a little bit better. It's a bit more sensitive. Um, but in terms of charting and having a chart that's reliable and you can do these calculations, as long as it's the same way every time, that's all that matters. Yeah, I agree. I'd made the mistake of 
switching halfway from oral to armpit because I wanted to assess the thyroid and it was mm -hmm. so stressful for me because it completely messed up my whole cycle and I didn't know what was happening so so I definitely do oh, not no. recommend doing that lesson learned um, yeah. and I actually have noticed that um, on my device there's an option to make it longer because it used to be 30 seconds but now mm. it's about three minutes and my chart has looked a lot more stable so that's another that's thing cool. I usually recommend um, taking the temperature for a bit longer right yeah, so if you if you can um, leave the thermometer, like whether it's in your mouth or your armpit, for five to ten minutes, like pick something that makes sense for you, and like I said, do it the same every way, and then leave it there before. If you're using a digital thermometer, so you leave it there for five minutes before you turn it on, and that way it kind of warms up a little bit and gets used to your body temperature, which can be better than if it's one of those ones that takes it really really quick in just a few seconds. Mm -hmm. um, it might not be quite as accurate. And one more question that I see a lot is with shift workers. So due to their, the nature of their work, you know, their circadian rhythm is off, they're sleeping at different times, they're sleeping during the day. Does that, mm -hmm. have you seen that work for fertility awareness method or is that an issue? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the individual. So some people are more sensitive than others. But what I would say is, if, like, say you're working night shift, then take your temperature after your wake up, like your bedtime. So if you normally go to bed at, say, 7 in the morning and sleep till 2 in the afternoon, then take your temperature at 2 in the afternoon every day, right? So that way, you're, even though it's later, you're, you're being consistent and you're doing it the same way every time. If you're having shift work where it, it changes, it's sometimes night shifts, sometimes day shifts. That can be a little more challenging. Um, I would still get people to take their temperature and then write notes in their chart about when they woke up and when they took their temperature that day. And then we can talk about it and we can figure out a way to make it work. Uh, as well, that's where the mucus comes in because the mucus is far more important than temperature. I think people often get hooked on the idea of temperature being more important because it's a it's an actual physical number on a on a machine you know and people sometimes feel that's more reliable yeah. than their own instincts and their own observations but really if you understand the mucus you can pair that with the temperature but you have that mucus as the main focus and that can be especially helpful for people doing shift work amazing well thank you so much for all of this this was such a wealth of knowledge where can we find you? How can we find out more about working with you, et cetera? Sure. Uh, so my business is called Blue Poppy Health. So I have a website, bluepoppyhealth.com. Um, also, mostly on Facebook. Um, if people are really interested in learning more, I do have a Facebook group as well. So if you just go to Facebook and search Blue Poppy Health, you'll, you'll find my page there um, and you can get in touch. Or if you want to chat with me about it, I'm always happy to chat about this stuff. Um, my email would just be hello at bluepoppyhealth.com. Um, and yeah, I, I see clients mostly one-on-one -on -one and all over the world because of the magic of the internet. <laughs> so, you know, if you want to just chat with me and see if you're not sure if this is right for you or if you want to do it or not, I'd be happy to chat with you to help you figure that out. 
Yes, I highly recommend it. I worked with you and it was definitely enlightening. I learned so much and my cycles definitely shifted. So highly recommend checking her out, guys. I will put all the show links in the in the links. <laughs> and then so you guys can go check it out, have all the, the info, Facebook, her website, etc. Thank you so much for coming on. It was such a pleasure speaking with you again and for you sharing Thank all of your you. knowledge with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Thank you for listening to today's episode. As usual, I hope you loved it. If you did, I always appreciate a review on iTunes. So rating and review. So pop that in if you have three seconds of your time. It's super, super easy. If you don't know how to do it, Google it. Everything is on there. Um, Super easy to do. And it actually really helps me reach more people who would love this type of information and who it could help. So it really does help me out. And I really do appreciate it. Appreciate all your support. And I will talk to you guys next week.